I wasn't sure you're all going to get that, but uh, you picked up on it really quick. Folks, when it comes to God's people, you ready for this? The rules have all changed. Why do we keep playing by man's rules? Let me say that again. If we're in Christ, the rules have all changed. Why do we keep playing by man's rules then? Boy, it's quiet. What is it about us? That somehow we think God's okay, we keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, you will not, you cannot have two masters. There is a way that seems right to the man that's in the Bible. I believe that the Bible is God's word. I will trust the Bible. I will be a person who will always preach the scriptures the best I know how. Anything else to me is sinking sand. And yet I still hear God's people come up to me and say, yeah, but. There's no yeah, but. Unless you're looking in the mirror and you're the butt, okay? I'm just being upfront. People keep looking for what they want in a church to tell them what they want to hear. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing in the Bible that God's okay with that. There's a way that seems right to a man and the end is always death. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you think is right, death. If it's outside of God's word, death. That's the best you have is death. If you think you can run a marriage without God, death. If you think you can raise a child without God, death. If you think you can build a business without God, death. And what's crazy is how many people literally in their mind right now, regardless if I'm saying it or Billy Graham saying it, in their mind they're thinking, I'll show you. And I'm like, wow, good luck. These toys are amazing. When I was a kid, I'm just telling you, I got shorted. <laughs> Anybody else with me? Oh my goodness. It was crazy. I, I remember when the Sears Roebuck catalog came. Is it Roebuck? Is it Robust? Whatever it is, I don't know. The JCPenney catalog when it came. Remember the Christmas catalog? And we were little kids and we'd start going through it. And we dreamed and we thought... People, why don't they send that out anymore? Because they couldn't give enough volumes of all the toys that are made these days. These things are cool. They're just cool. I don't care if you're three or 57, they're cool. And yet what's crazy is this one little thing from a truck can turn into one of the most powerful superheroes you can imagine the planet. I know that many of you are thinking, I, I, Pastor, that's all fiction. Well, let me tell you something. My Bible says he can take this truck and turn it into one of the most unbelievable, lethal superheroes you could ever imagine. And that's not fiction. That's not fiction. It's just not fiction. And that's what we're talking about, making these hard changes. Because God wants us to talk about an amazing transformation. Imagine what God could do with our lives, and yet we settle for so much less. Well, you just need to know, I'm, I'm not Michael Jordan. I know you're not Michael Jordan. 
And, and, and without being any disrespect, as far as I can tell up to everything I've read, I'm glad you're not Michael Jordan because right now Michael Jordan's not going to heaven. See, it doesn't matter how man lifts you up, puts you on the cover, says that's what you should be. If you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. There's only one superhero and his name is Jesus. And without him, it doesn't matter if you're an NBA superstar or if you lead a law firm or you're the beheld as the greatest school teacher ever, you're still going to hell. There's nothing about God that looks at us that there's something in us that's worthy. But God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And if you will die to yourself and not settle for your status quo and allow God to do what only God can do through the work of the Holy Spirit in you, God can transform your life greater than anything you'll ever see on the screen when it comes to transformers. And it's exactly what God wants to do. In fact, look at the scriptures, Romans 8. This is in the Bible. I love saying that this is in the Bible. These are the promises of God from the very beginning, which means this was God's plan from the very inception of mankind. From the very beginning, God decided, not you and I, God decided that those who came to him should be what? Transformed. They should be transformed into the likeness of his son, the greatest superhero that man has ever known. So that his son, here's the key, so that his son would be first in their lives. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your career. But that Jesus would be first. But as we talked Last week, this transformation is a slow one. It's a slow one. You can't microwave it. Now, last week, I didn't give you the whole insight, but I think some, some of the reasons why you can't microwave it is I, I almost sometimes think that God would like to microwave it. But there's something about us that we just don't want to grow. Anybody agree with that? There, oh, okay, all right, whatever. All right, a couple of you, Okay. But there are some things that get in the way and why I entitled last week's message making the hard change, but entitled this message learning to see. I want to show you why. If you got your phones, I want you to go out to a website. Come on, pull your phone out. For all you young people, your smartphone. <laughs> For all you old people. Your smartphone, okay? Right. Just take it out, and I want you to go to this website, www.celebrate.church/blindspot. You should have a plus and a circle that comes up. Is that right? I knew that was coming. Okay. W. Oh, backspace, W, oh, no, W. Anybody have that problem? You keep hitting the letter and a different one comes up? Smartphone, those stupid phones. Anyway, couldn't be me. www.celebrate.church slash blindspot. Two things come up. Should be a plus and a, and a dot, right? 
Now, this is where it's going to get fun, okay? Because I want you to look at that, and I want you to cover one of your eyes, doesn't matter which one, and I want you to look right directly between the dot and the plus sign. And then I want you to start moving that phone closer to your face. Depending on the eye you cover, one of them is going to disappear. Go ahead. Y'all see it? What's really sad is that for the rest of this message, you're not going to hear a thing. You're going to be going, hmm, okay. But depending the eye and you're looking directly between them and you move it closer, one of them will disappear. It's called a blind spot. Probably heard about it when you went to start learning to get your driver's license, took the test, part moments that there's cars that are in and out on either side that they no longer in a place that you can see them. Hence a blind spot. Now, let me, let me just real quickly from a scientific standpoint in its simplest form, it's where the optic nerve comes through. Where it comes through, you and I are missing things called cones or rods, if you will, that allow the light to come through, thus giving us an image. But at a particular distance, that image disappears so it seems. It's there, but your eye cannot allow it to be visible. It's a fraction of a space. But we all know that <clears throat> when you're driving a car at 75, 80 miles an hour, because I know that you follow the speed limit, <laughs> it's quite dangerous in that fraction of a second, isn't it? Anybody ever been down the interstate and start changing lanes and had no idea that there was a car there? I have. I've also been that car they didn't know was there. But here's the reality. What is true in the physical world is also true in your spiritual one. We all have blind spots. We all have them. It might be the slightest of moment, but it's a place in which you cannot see. But here's what you need to understand. It's also the place that the devil knows exists. See, there's something about a blind spot that's really not a big deal when you think about it from the physical world. It could be a little embarrassing, right? A blind spot like your zipper's down and you didn't know it. I've had more people have fun with that with me over the years. When I first started in ministry, they'd come up and say, man, great message, but your zipper is down. And what's the first thing I do? Check to see if my zipper was down. And I'm glad that they were having fun with me, but that could be an embarrassing moment. Or when someone's talking to you, especially when they're a friend and you have some broccoli in your teeth, you know what I'm talking about, but they never say anything. You know what I mean? Great friend, right? But no, but no big deal, but catch this. Some blind spots are not so good. Whereas something in your personality where you lack clarity, insight, or a healthy self 
awareness. And if you don't take it seriously and do something about it, it could come back to really haunt you. I, I shared this story before and I just ask you to humor with me, but I think it's such a beautiful picture. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went out camping, had a good meal, a bottle of wine. They laid down for the night and went to sleep. It was somewhere in the night that Holmes woke up and nudged his friend, Watson, dear Watson, look up. Tell me, what do you see? To which Watson replied, I see millions of stars. Well, what does that tell you? Well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that this time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are a small and insignificant people. Meteorologically, I suspect that we'll have a beautiful day tomorrow. Holmes stopped and said, Watson, you're an idiot. Someone stole our tent. <laughs> What I fear in the church, there's a lot of people that Satan has stole your tent. And you're going to spend the rest of your life justifying it, excusing it. And don't even realize the wake of destruction that keeps following that. Blind spots. Blind spots where people in the church are more interested in the music, the style, the loudness, the softness. What songs we're singing, why what we're singing. I know I'm going to step on some toes, but I'm talking about the older crowd, and yet young people are coming to Jesus Christ. Amen. I call that a blind spot. A blind spot in the church where People get more wrapped up about how someone's dressed or not dressed, of kids running in the auditorium or not running in the auditorium. And you're willing to fight about that and argue about that, and yet people are coming to Christ. I say all that to say this, that some of you might be thinking, hmm, maybe we need to go to a different church. I'd call that a blind spot. See, it's interesting how subtle those things happen, and those are just little ones. How they happen in our lives, where we get so wrapped up into things that do they really matter when it's all said and done? Because everything I just told you is me. I've told you for the most part, when it comes to the music on this stage, I'd say most of it I don't really like, because the way I grew up. But how I grew up is so less to who needs Jesus out in this world right now. And it isn't about me. I don't come in this room looking for what I get. I come in this room figuring out, God, what can I do to give? You see, I say this because when it's all said and done, even if the church was the way you wanted it to be, everything in it, if you don't get up and walk across the room and meet a new person and let them know they're welcome, that's not any church at all. Because the key to every church is the relationship of people knowing that they matter and they belong. 
and that I love you. It's not about what you and I agree or disagree on. It's about us being Jesus to people around us. See, that's what it's about. But those blind spots, they can happen. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Chronicles of Narnia, the last of the book is called The Last Battle. Maybe you've read it. There's a moment in the story that the king has now won. There's peace in the land, beauty is restored, and some really good things are about to happen to the people again. But in the middle of the beautiful field, there's a group of dwarves. If you know the story all the way through, these dwarves have been quite negative. And in one of the scenes, they're sitting huddled in the middle of a beautiful field, and they're muttering to each other. When another group of characters walk up, the dwarves say to each other, do you hear voices? I hear somebody, but I don't see anything. The other characters are like, hello, here we are. Don't you see us? The dwarves look at each other. I hear voices, but I don't see anything. And the other characters are like, oh, we're right here. We're next to you. Then they say, maybe you can't see me, but maybe you can smell something. And at that, they hand the dwarves a flower. The dwarves hid it away. Why would you put that stinky smell in front of me? Can't you see we're in a stable? And the characters are like, there's no stable. You're sitting in the middle of a beautiful field. Maybe if I touch you, you'll feel something. And at that, they touch the dwarves. And the dwarves say, why are you hitting me? And they become frustrated because the dwarves can't see, feel, or smell something nice. They actually think they're in a dark, dank stable. Then comes along Aslan, the king. And the characters ask, Aslan, can you help these dwarves see? Can you help them smell? Can you help them experience touch? Aslan replies, Let's spread a beautiful feast in front of them, and he does. Some of the most beautiful, delicious foods you can imagine. And the dwarves start complaining. Why are you giving me hay? Why are you giving me this stinky water to drink from a stable? And then one of the characters, Lucy, asks Aslan, why can't they see? Listen to what Aslan the king says in reply. They have chosen not to. That's the danger of not taking serious blind spots. See, part of a walk with Jesus is that as we become in the likeness of his son, to be transformed, there's work to be done. There's things about Keith that I have to take a look at. There's things as I grow that God says, okay, it's time for you to, to look at this, Keith, and realize we, we, need to, we need to fix this. But over time, if I keep choosing not to, allowing a blind spot to persist, I will eventually no longer even believe there is one. See, if we don't allow God to work in us, shaping us, making us more like Christ, we'll become like the dwarves sitting in the middle of all of God's beauty, unable to appreciate all the goodness that he has given us. So as I did last week and before Pastor Caleb comes, I want you to take out your notes and I've sort of shifted, if you will, the order. I don't know what your notes look like, but bear with me. They're all five there. But why do we continue to choose, if you will, 
having blind spots over learning to see. And here's the first one. Let's just call it what it is. Stubbornness. Anybody here willing to admit I'm stubborn? Anybody willing to point out someone in the room that you think is stubborn? Go ahead. Everybody point to the stage. All right. But I think we become like Pharaoh. Think about this. Think about Pharaoh when Moses said, hey, you need to let God's people go. But I think we're much the same. Ten plagues come in, and in his stubbornness, he refuses, even at the expense of his people. See, I think we become kings of our own resistance. We develop habits and hang-ups that we become friend with. And rather looking now to remove them, we simply deny them or again befriend them. See, the difficulty with stubbornness is most people don't realize just how devastatingly stubborn they have become. And what stubbornness does, it builds up walls rather than bridges. You know what Psalm 32 says? Don't be ornery like a horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to stay on track. I wonder how many of us in the room, God has been wanting to set us free, but he has to keep a bridle. He's keep yanking, going, come on. Stubbornness, just by the sheer fact, you know, I've, I've heard it. And a lot of times from older men, this is just the way I am. I'm like, wow, you got to look in a mirror when you say that. No, that's the way you've always been. But I don't think that's how God made you. A self-fulfilling prophecy. That's not what God wants you to be. Here's number two. How about pride? I mean, let's just be honest. Some people are so full of themselves, they can't see who they really have become, right? I heard it said, the husband who boasts, I've never made a mistake, has a wife who did. <laughs> It'll take you a while. Proverbs 16 says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Pride. Why is being right a mountain worth dying on? Why is being righteous not? Pride. Here's number three, fear. It's a scary thing to face things, isn't it? Especially ones we don't even know are there. We start thinking, what if? I mean, what if? What if this is for real? What if? So we put our head in the ground, playing pretend, hoping it'll just go away, but it never does. And do you know why? Because the Bible says there is no fear when you're in Christ. Here's number four. It hurts to be exposed. Let's just be honest. It's like going to a doctor's office and finding out what you really didn't want to find out. I know people who literally say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the dentist. I know it hurts, but I don't want to find out that why it hurts. It's crazy. But Hebrews 12 says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Even, even says this in the Bible, it's painful, but watch this. But afterwards, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living. Here's the last one. I'm not going to say much. Just plain lazy. Dear Lord, sometimes we are just plain lazy. So I'm going to invite Pastor Caleb to the stage, but I think there's a passage of scripture I think should be our posture of our heart. And I want you to look it up on the screen. It's from Psalm 19, verses 12 through 14. Here's what it says. God, 
How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? How can I know? How can I know all the sin that's in my life? Those blind spots I don't even know about. Here's what David said. God does. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. In other words, God, go ahead, take a look. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Don't let them control me. And here's the prayer. May the words of my mouth, the external things, you're going to see and hear in the meditations of my heart, the things, the things that you will never know I'm thinking and feeling and believing. May these, God, be pleasing to you. Amen? I want you to welcome Pastor Caleb. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Keith. Um, Man, I can't express how, uh, how much I, you mean to me, your relationship with me. Man, you are such a role model and a mentor of mine. And Man, I just, I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And also, I want to say thank you to you guys. Um, man, there's some of you in this room that have walked with me and poured into me. And man, it's, it's all of you that have really made Celebrate home to me. And, and man, I just, I thank you guys for being my church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, well, so we know the five reasons why we choose blindness, right? We've got the, the pride, uh, being exposed, the fear, laziness, stubbornness. But now, how can we learn to accurately see ourselves? Right, so the first, the first way is we have to know and believe that we are God's beloved. Okay, read this, read this passage with me, Romans 8, verse 1. It should be up on the screen. For there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For those of you who may not know, um, my wife and I, we've been married for four years coming this August. And, and this past week, we celebrated our daughter's very first birthday. Um, man, I just got to say, I, I love my daughter. I absolutely adore her. I cherish her. The, the way she looks at me, even when I might be getting frustrated or being impatient with her, man, she melts my heart. I just, I can't imagine her doing anything more to make me love her more or doing anything that would cause me to love her less. But what blows my mind is how the way I see my daughter is just a glimpse it's just a sliver of the way God sees us. Did you know that? Like, do you know that the God of the universe, the, the one that created everything, the beginning and the end, adores you? That he, he sent his son for you? That he was willing to die for you because of that love? See, you bring a smile to his face. You, you bring joy to his heart. And it's out of that that we, we can know that when he looks at us, warts and all, out of that love, we can look at ourselves and be okay with those warts. We can be okay with that. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. 
then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Did you catch that? That, that, that order, right? right? First, you've got to understand you are God's beloved, and then you get the, the power and you get the fullness of life from God. You get that after you understand. So repeat this with me. I am God's beloved. Let's, let's do it again. I am God's beloved. One more time. I am God's beloved. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So once we believe that, okay, here's number two. You must look at yourself in an accurate mirror. See, our reflections in life are based on truth or a lie. And our reflections are the ones that we choose to believe. Okay, our reflections are the ones we choose to believe. Write this down. God's mirror never lies. God's mirror never lies. How many of you here have ever heard of a fun house? Raise of hands, anybody, anybody? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, probably not. No fun houses, nobody's been to a fun house? Well, me neither. Um, <laughs> never been there. Um, I'd, I'd go out of my way to go there. I don't, I don't know those. Um, but today, you know, they, they've, got, they've got mirrors and stuff in the, those fun houses that uh, change the way you look, some make you tall, some make you wide, some make you wavy, wobbly, whatever. Well, the really cool thing is that now we have these really cool things. We have our fun house in our pocket, right? So up on the screen, you should be able to see me. And uh, like right now, once it gets up there, there we go. Ah, see, look at that, see? I. Uh, I'm on a beach somewhere, there's palm trees on me, guys, super cool shades now, right? Look, it's, it's real time, I can, I can do stuff like this, right? Oh, here, look, now I look super fantastic, super, super glamour shot here, right? Bang, bang ring, oh, hi, hi, I see you. Look, now I'm bald, I'm our district superintendent, Wes Smith. I have no hair, it's great. But, oh, now, now we're all doing the wave, right? We're all doing the wave. Check that out. Doing the wave. But as much fun as these are, um, it's not the truth, right? How many people go through their life through the filter of a glamour shot? They're seeing their life this way. Or they're looking at other people's life this way. When it's all said and done, it's a distorted picture of the truth. See, I, I didn't actually look like that. I wasn't actually doing the wave. None of us were, right? None of us were on a beach with cool shades under palm trees. We're, we're right here. But when you look at the accurate mirror that God gives you, or through the, the accurate filter that God has, his word, and you know what he says, it changes everything. James 1, 22 through 25 says, 
Remember, it's a message to obey, not just to listen. See, James right in here, when he says it's, he's referring to God's word, right? He says, remember, God's word is a message to obey, not to listen. Or not just to listen. Don't fool yourself, for if you just listen and don't obey, you're like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, but as soon as he walks away, he, can, he can't see himself anymore or remember what he looks like. And I think that's, that's so true for us today. We, we look through all of these things and we have no idea who we are. See, being in God's word, his accurate mirror, keeps you grounded to the truth of who you are. You can trust what he says. You are his beloved. He says that over and over and his evaluation of you is always true. Always true. Sometimes, I know like for me, I feel like a failure. But then when I, when I turn to his word and I read what he says about me, that I'm his, his masterpiece, man, that's, that's when I know that these feelings and these, these things that I'm hearing, these whispers in my ear from the enemy, I know that those aren't true. Revelation 3, 17, 18 says, you say, I'm rich with everything I want. I don't need a thing. You don't realize that spiritually you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, that is what happens when we're not in God's word. That is what happens when we're not looking through the mirror of, of God's word and seeing who we truly are and what he says of us. Right? We feel naked. We're blind. We don't see things the way that we should. We don't feel the way we should. We don't believe the things we should because we're, we're not listening. We're not, we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us. So we know that the first thing that we have to do is believe and know that we are God's beloved. We have to then see ourselves through the accurate mirror of his word. And now we start looking for patterns of behavior. We have to look for patterns of behavior. I'm sure you've heard this adage before, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? Well, that's true here too. What are our actions? What are our consistent habits? What are the things that we keep doing in our lives that keep showing their heads and, and we keep falling back into it and we're just like, oh, that was, that was a mistake, or oh, that's fine, oh, God's got that covered. God's got that covered. And we justify it somehow in our heads that somehow us being in the sin or being blind or being lost or being wretched, that God's okay with it. What are those things? For me, I'm kind of a yes man. Okay, like I don't mean that in the fact that like I always agree with people and I'm always like, yep, 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 yep. I say that as I agree to do things when I probably shouldn't. Right? Anybody, some, when anybody would come up to me and say, hey, Caleb, would you do this for me? My answer, without thinking about it, would always be yes. Absolutely. And then what I found is that when I would do that, I would overbook, right? And then I'd have myself and I'd have a meeting with this person or a meeting with that person. They'd overlap. And now I'd have to cancel somebody. And what I didn't want to do before was let somebody down. But now I have to cancel and let somebody down. That's, that's not Okay. So going through the process, I've identified that, and now I can start 
correcting myself. So there are some five, there are five questions here that we need to be asking ourselves on a regular basis. The first one is, what is it I'm pretending not to know? <laughs> what is it that you're choosing not to see? That when, when something happens, you're like, blinders on, didn't see it, I'm ignoring it. The second one is, what is it that I'm pretending is not a problem? You know, like maybe like it's a check engine light on your car. Comes up and you're like, I'm going to move my picture right over top of that so I don't see it anymore. Or like you hear some funny noises as you're going down the road, 80 miles an hour, like Pastor Keith had mentioned before. And you turn your radio up so you don't have to hear it anymore. Now it's not a problem, right? Third question is, what is it I'm pretending I've overcome? Maybe it's an addiction. Or maybe it's a hurt or a hang-up. Maybe it's something like, I don't know, you have a problem with pornography. In your head you think, oh, I got this. You know what, I don't need nobody else. I don't need God. I got this. What is it that you think you're good at, but those closest to you would say you're not? I know for me sometimes, I wish that I would have had somebody tell me that, hey, you're probably not good at that or the best person for this. Um, so you should probably sit this one out. Man, that would, have, uh, that would have helped me out when I was saying yes to all of those people and I probably wouldn't, be wasting a, wouldn't have wasted a whole lot of time. And the fifth question is, what is it like on the other side of me? What is it like when I decide to get myself out of the way? God, what do you have beyond me? What do you have for your life for my life that, God, if I just moved out of the way, what could you do? So what are those areas? So first you have to know and believe that you are God's beloved. And then you look at yourself through an accurate mirror. Thirdly, you start looking for behaviors, repeated behaviors. And number four is you establish a daily practice of humility before God. So this, this one here, humility before God doesn't just end in a prayer. Okay, it's not just, God, I pray this way. Okay, it's not, it's not like praying like David when, when he says, God, please reveal to me the blind spots. God, have mercy on me. Oh God, please, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. It's not just praying like that. Okay, it's not just praying for those things. It's, it's moving beyond that. Okay, you're praying to the answer that is God. Okay, God is the answer. But now it's our job to, once we pray for those things, to step out and now go seek those things. Go find those things in his word. Find out what he says and then, and then know them to be true, believing in them. Okay, but you got to do that on a daily basis. You got to do that continually over and over and over. See, and then also, humility before God is a willingness to continue to learn. Okay, it's that, that decision to constantly be learning about who he is. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a graduation service here and... I, amongst others, we got to walk across and get our biblical studies 
certificate up here from Pastor Keith and the team. And can I just say, doing those things, it, it did something inside. Okay, those classes did something, not only in my heart, okay, um, not only in my relationships with people, but now it's also caused me to see things differently. Now I start to see people in their redeemed state, the way God sees them. Okay, there's, there's nothing that any of you can do, the way you dress, the way you look, the way you act. There's nothing that you can do to me that would change how I see you. And I know that that's the way that God sees all of us. He's the one that showed me how to see people. And it was only because I decided to be humble before him, to, to get before him and learn who he is. You know, I've been coming to celebrate for a while now. And last week, Pastor Keith talked about making the hard change. Can I be honest with you? It's really not a hard change. I mean, it's not comfortable by any means. It's not easy. It's a little, it's a little fear. There's a little fear in that, you know, the fear of the unknown, stepping out and getting outside of yourself. But it wasn't hard. You know, 53 months ago, I was in this very room at a showing of I Can Only Imagine. I was about three, three rows from the back at about 10 in, sitting right back over there. And it was in that movie that I met Jesus 53 months ago. And it was through that movie that my relationship with my father had been healed by the Holy Spirit because he had stirred something inside. And then throughout those 53 months, I've gotten married. I propose right here on this stage. I've gotten married, I've had a kid, and now I'm going to go plant a church in Celebration, Florida. That stuff's not hard. It's, it's, really, it's a God thing. It's all God. And it was, it was when I chose to accept his truth, when, it was chose, when I made the choice to know and believe that I was God's beloved, and when I saw what he said about me, and then I would analyze myself and then get with, before him daily, that's when things change. And the same can be true for you guys. Okay, these four things. You've got to know and believe that you're God's beloved. You have to look at yourself through the accurate mirror. You need to start looking at the patterns of your life. And you need to practice a daily devoting yourself, coming humbly before God on a daily basis. We just have to do it. Father God, man, I just, I can't say it enough how much I love you. And I know that my love for you is only because you love me first. So God, I just ask that for us in this room today, God, that you would, you would blot out the stains of our sins. That you would make us whiter than snow. That you would put that in our ears, you would whisper in our ears how much you love us, that you would tell us that we are your beloved. And God, that, that would stir something inside of us to go out then and, and do these things, to start looking at 
what you say we are and who you say we are. And, and then we can analyze and live according to what your word says. Father God, I thank you for everyone in this room, God, and how much they've meant to me and how much they've poured out to me. God, it's, it's priceless, and I'm eternally thankful for that. So thank you again, Jesus, for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.